Hello listeners and welcome to the Chosen Brew podcast, the podcast where guests talk their way through the six beers that changed everything. As always, I'm your host and creator of the Chosen Brew podcast, Ian McNally, and in this episode I made the short trip to a very new brew pub called Burnley Brewing. These are some of the nicest guys in the beer industry. I won't tell you anymore. Here's Michael and Neil. Let's get into it. First, I'll, I'll let you introduce yourself. Oh, g'day. I'm Neil from Burnley Brewing. Um, just a little local brew pub in uh, Bridge Road in Richmond. And I'm Michael Stanzel. I'm the head brewer for uh, Burnley Brewing. And when I say head brewer, it's just me and Neil. So I, I, like, to, I like to take the title, though. <laughs> yeah, I, did, I didn't want to claim a big title up front. <laughs> so you're both, you're both hands-on in terms of the brewery. Yeah, that's right. But you 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 basically get the blame, Michael, if things go wrong. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Michael's responsible for the beer. I'm responsible for the everything else. So tell us a little bit about Burnley Brewery. Yeah, so right now we're at uh, on Bridge Road, um, 648. So it's just up from the Bridge Hotel. Uh, so pretty much right on the Arrow. And here we're going to have a, um, a five-hectolitre brew house with uh, four 10-hec fermenters and eight six hec bright tanks and these bright tanks will go straight to the taps where we'll have 14 taps running at any one time um and as you can see in right now it's not complete however we've been just gypsy brewing from other breweries and stuff like that and uh and yeah that's well that's a bridge road story so far yeah pouring eight beers at the moment and then in the coming months we'll get the rest of the kit installed and the full full 14 rolling so can't can't wait yeah, so um, why this area? Is it technically Burnley, not Richmond? Oh, we just, uh, south of south of Bridge, we scrape into the Burnley uh, pocket. But um, it's just a nice nice part of the world. Really lovely locals and busy walking distance from my house, which doesn't hurt. <laughs> that, that, that is the main reason. <laughs> oh, and yours for that matter. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's took, absolutely the main reason. Took me. Uh, actually, I wanted to tell you earlier, Neil, uh, got a record, two and a half minutes with a skateboard this morning, so uh, <laughs> it's pretty, pretty close. <laughs> wow, wow, a skateboard. How, how old are you? Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm seriously eight at heart. That's, that's, <laughs> I shouldn't be drinking, to be honest. <laughs> no, so um, you, you're actually in a really interesting pocket in terms of there's Mountain Goats just a stone's throw away, the yep. Royston Hotel, big supporters of craft beer as well, yep, yep. and um, Moondog not too far as well, that dare I say CUB, uh, close as well. Yes. Um, <laughs> big, big brewing heritage, yeah. good, good good company and nice neighbours to be around. I think most of those guys have been in at some point to say good day and have a beer and yeah, always been very kind with their advice and time, so yeah, we're, we're stoked to have such lovely neighbours. Now Neil, uh, your background has been in... Uh, cafes and hospitality, is that correct? It's yeah? true. Yeah, I'm, I'm an accountant by profession. But, uh, yeah, the last few years has been um, cafes and hospitality for the most part. And uh, <laughs> tell us a little bit about those because uh, I want you to tell, tell us a bit more about them first and then we'll maybe compare that to how setting up a brewery works. <laughs> oh, compared to cafes. <laughs> oh, we started the first cafe 10 years ago, Station Street, out in Nunawading um, with, with, with Phil, who's my business partner here. Um yeah, originally I was going to be the silent partner. Uh, I was still working professional services accounting at the time. And then uh, it just got busier and busier. And it just got to the point where we are doing breakfast, lunch and dinner. And uh, I was spending every spare second down there anyway. So I yeah, jumped ship out of accounting to embrace the cafe life full time. 
So you kind of still juggling being a was it like nine to five accounting or yeah, it was getting a bit silly for a while there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it literally didn't add up. I was yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was a sick pun. <laughs> <laughs> and so you kind of you know that obviously gave you the confidence to kind of go and set up other cafes and have different projects. But you set up a cafe. Yeah, that seems fairly straightforward. Councils, etc., know what a cafe is. People in Melbourne know what a cafe is. How difficult is it to set up a brew pub in a relatively urban area with shop frontage to envy? Uh, it is moderately difficult. There's a little bit of lead time <laughs> um, negotiating with council and uh, landlords and neighbours and all the rest. But um, I think now that we're open and everyone can see that it's a pretty, oh, dare I say, nice um, <laughs> family-friendly restaurant and not... Uh, somehow squeezed CUB into a shop front on Bridge Road but everyone's relaxed a bit and is feeling a bit more positive about it. Yeah, we've had really good feedback. The guys from City of Yarra come in for a beer now, so... Oh, no no higher compliments. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, Michael, uh, you know, in terms of being a head brewer, you kind of would expect head brewers to be off hidden away in a warehouse somewhere and uh, off off the streets but here you kind of there's nowhere to hide you <laughs> no, that's exactly right um um as obviously you can see it uh in right now that uh, the brew house is just going to be right behind us and uh, there's actually a bar surrounding what will be the brew house and, and fermentation area as well so people can literally sit at the bar have beers while i'm just working behind there and uh and whatnot, but then I can uh, have the opportunity to just, you know discuss with customers and other beer enthusiasts and stuff like that, or even amateurs or people that don't even know anything about beer, and just you know have a good chat. And uh, which I'm really looking forward to, actually, because uh, I just love chatting. <laughs> <laughs> the, the insight from a few other brewers was that inviting people down to a full brew day isn't necessarily that entertaining after the first six hours. So uh, here yeah, we're a bit more casual and you can, uh, you know, the kitchen's open. You can sit at the bar, come and go a bit and say g'day. It'd be a nice way to kind of hopefully get staff involved and hopefully our customers and locals locals down taking an interest. Yeah, and uh, in terms of where you fit in, in terms of the uh, the scene, in terms, of, in terms of Bridge Road, you've got the Bridge Hotel, which uh, mm-hmm. has probably got renovated maybe four or five years ago, which is like a European-style they run a queue on a Friday, Saturday night with bouncers on the door, that type of thing. It's very kind of a uh, place to be seen. Um, yep. So how does it, how do you fit into that kind of narrative there? Oh, we're a touch more relaxed, I dare say. Which yeah. is, um, <laughs> it's just a really nice local crowd, a bit of an older crowd than the bridge and um, a, bit more, a bit more maybe family friendly with a full restaurant sort of offering to go with it. Yeah, because we've got uh, like a seated uh, section um, where there's table service and everything like that, but then the other section's more like a pub where you've got the TVs going, you can watch a bit of, well, when the Winter Olympics were on, you know, watch the Winter Olympics or cricket. Well, no, hang on, winter's coming up, so <laughs> footy. <laughs> footy <laughs> will be on, yeah. <laughs> and stuff like that. So you've got a, you know, the mix of both worlds, I guess. All right, well, we're going to start off because I'm, I'm actually really interested to yeah. talk through six beers. Um, because I, I think you're also very interested in each other's six beers. Yeah, we haven't we haven't talked about each other's yet, and uh, so you know it's, it's going to be a, a real good bonding experience. I think. Yeah. <laughs> I think Neil, you were particularly. Uh, I was I was a little to anxious to to get the truth out of Michael ahead of time, just in case I needed to tweak mine. But I think I'm I'm feeling pretty solid about it. If all six are the same, 
Uh, that would be brilliant. <laughs> I, I don't. I, I I would say it's very hard if they are because I've gone the real nostalgic route. So I've got a couple of beers from Germany and stuff like that that really changed my yeah direction in life. I guess. God, jeez, that sounds oh, deep. Wow. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so yeah. Whereas uh, well, no, let's let's see. I guess. Yeah. That, yeah. Well, that's what the podcast is all about. <laughs> Feel free to go as deep as you like and uh, as talk for as long as you want. So. Um, I think you've just volunteered yourself to go first. Okay, there, Michael, okay. So. I was, I was looking Neil, but I'll go for it. So my first one is uh, Two Years Old, which is a dark ale. Um, and the reason why I picked this one was because, you know, back in the day as a younger drinker, um, all my friends would have Carlton Draft, Phoebe, or Jim Beam, you know, those, those mixed, you know, pretty non-challenging drinks. Um, but I just wasn't a fan of those at all. And so... I came across a six-pack six of this beer in our fridge, which my dad had bought, and I was like, all right, I'll give that a shot. So took a six-pack of dad's. And uh, How old were you at this point? I was at a certain age. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, um, so yeah, and, and straight away I was just like, oh, this is different. This isn't this, you know, standard shit that you get from a, party cheap stuff like that this is a bit different you know it had a nice uh i wouldn't say roasty but like caramel direction and uh and i was like all right well beer's not just your shit can i say see you beer yeah i'm gonna say (laughs) (laughs) um and uh and it just completely opened my eyes i was like all right well beer can go in all sorts of directions so that's why yeah, two years old. That's why I've got that up there. I think two years old has made a couple, at least a couple of appearances previously on the show. Oh, no way. So it is one of those interesting beers, which is obviously massively available. Yeah, uh, yeah. Often kind of you walk past it without noticing. It tends to be more older people who drink it, I think. Is yeah. That probably RSL and that type of thing where people drink it. Um, but well done on stealing your dad's. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you ever replace it for him? Uh, well, I did, uh, you know, a little bit d- down the track. So I started homebrewing when I was 15 and, um, because I didn't want to steal any more dad's six packs. I think I just gave away my age <laughs> then too. Um, and, uh, so when I started brewing at home, dad was like, oh, this is fantastic. Now for size, you're not going to steal my six packs. Secondly, we're going to have enough beer on site. <laughs> so that's going to be great. So, uh, so yeah, yeah. So I replaced it definitely. Well done, yeah. Michael. That's very <laughs> responsible. Um, Neil, your first beer. Uh, Blue Tongue Lager. So not, not, not the most crafty beer going around, and I don't think even available anymore. But um, when, when they kicked off, it was a Hunter Valley independently owned one. And I just remember landing at uh, Newcastle Airport on a, on a work trip, and they had this uh, you know, local, local lager on tap, and I think that was the first one that kind of just made me start thinking about beers in terms of their, their location and provenance and who, who owned it or who was responsible. I guess before that it was just uh, a pot or a pint was all you had to specify at most of the pubs I'd be drinking at in Melbourne. So, yeah, uh, uh, just a nice clean clean lager and I, that one always sort of stuck with me is just being this super sense of locality before Coca-Cola bought it and it went national. <laughs> 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 well, in terms of provenance, because uh, Burnley, you, you've kind of you've got an eye to sustainability and also possibly in the future growing your own hops and things like that. Is that correct? 
Um, maybe a bit further down the track, but is it's that it's tricky because that's another full time job, pretty much. Um, there's even some breweries that like dabble in doing their own malts and stuff like that. But again, that's a whole other process that uh, that yeah, it's just another full time job sort of thing. Because brewing, making sure that your tanks are, are full, that you produce enough beer for the market, and everything like that, and then for us also keeping it fresh because we want to have uh, seasonal beers and just experimental beers and stuff like that. That is already uh, a lot of a lot of work. So um, for us, um, it's, it's a nice thing. There are a couple of little uh, craft maltsters coming up now, mm. which is sort of a, a new thing. Or, or guys that were doing malting for food food industry. Um, probably driven by the craft spirits movement seeking out you know contract uh malted you know to their to their spec um so people can get their their single single malts and single estates so yeah we've been early early planning days for um working with some of those guys to you know pursue the kind of heritage cultivars and the paddock to paddock to glass kind of approach yeah yeah mm. now that'd be cool fun but hops that'd be tricky i'd love to actually because um one of the devil but a commercial scale is difficult yeah yeah Dab- we'll definitely yeah. do like a harvest it's like a harvest beer with our own hops mm. definitely because uh a- another um partner um has a farm up uh where, where is that farm kyton kyton up at kyton has a lot of room up there and uh so there's definitely a space there to Get get a couple of hops going up there, so maybe just like a couple of rows of galaxy hops. Harvest them when the times times are right, and uh, do do a nice green hop harvest beer or something like that. So that is something definitely, but on a commercial scale, nah, that's a lot. That's yeah. a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you've committed that to um, the recording now, so you have to brew that beer now. <laughs> <laughs> that's that. Yeah, that's well, yeah. actually, edit that one out. <laughs> Choice two, Michael. Choice two for me. Actually, this one I don't think is available anymore. So when I was 15, 16, 16, I think I was. Um, so my parents are real big wine nerds and, uh, and my sister as well. So we went out to Margaret River and uh, was checking out all the wineries and stuff like that. And back then in 2006, there was only um, two breweries out that way. I'm not sure how many there are now, but I'm sure there's a few more. Um, excuse me. And... Um, so there was only Bootleg Brewery and Colonial Brewery. And Colonial had only been open for a couple of weeks or so. And we came there at about lunchtime and it was it was pretty empty at the moment. I think they were still setting up for lunch and everything like that. And me and my dad, we go straight to the bar, get a couple of uh, tasting paddles. And we're starting to taste through the beers. And because I'd already been home brewing for a year or so, I was discussing or telling dad, you know, this is why this tastes like this and this is that style and whatever. And the head brewer was just at the next table having lunch and he's just kind of overheard. He's like, you, you kind of know what you're talking about. And I was like, oh, yeah, you know, like uh, like brewing beer. And he's like, want to check out the brewery? And I was like, fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so yeah, luckily, just, just after, I think it was just a couple of weeks after they opened, the head brewer um, took me and my dad through the brewery, showed us all the tanks and their brew house and stuff like that out at Margaret River. And uh, it was just fantastic. And... Uh, it was just a, a great experience as as someone who had just started hobby brewing, um, to be given the chance to have like yeah a private private tour with the um with the brewmaster. So and from that tasting paddle that I originally had, I've actually got a picture of the bottles before uh, 
this is what a colonial actually looked like before uh, I guess they maybe got rebranded or something like that. It looks a lot different. Well, we, you should actually send those pictures and I'll put them up on the Chosen yeah. Brew Instagram for any people who want to have a look at yeah, um, definitely, definitely. those bottles. But yeah, definitely, because obviously we see all the cans these days and we know what colonial looks like. Very, very iconic. Um, but these are the first ones that uh, that hit the shelves. Um, and it was a, a, yeah, a bitter ale. Um, called Pistol Whip and that was my favourite one from that tasting pedal so me and Dad we bought a couple of bottles and took it home had them back at the hotel and uh, and yeah it was just one that always stuck in my mind it was just uh, a great experience for me because at that moment I was just like fuck I should be a professional brewer this would be good <laughs> fun <laughs> and so, yeah. that is it says it's a Scottish best bitter which is nearly not a style that anybody is brewing <laughs> yeah, at right. all which I'm sad about but yeah no 100% because um, I actually just got my mum to send me this picture this morning because I was like oh crap I don't have a picture that'd be fantastic I quickly take, uh, gave her a call and I was like you know can you send me a picture because I still got it sitting up at, uh, at home and uh, yeah and sent it through and I was reading through it again I was like geez that is a that's a cheeky style that nobody has really and uh, it's yeah, hundred percent right. It's just you don't you, no. you wouldn't see, you wouldn't see that much these days. I don't think. No, I think it was four point seven percent as well. Yeah, nice and approachable. And yeah, um, yeah. You know, it seems that maybe you know BrewDog obviously coming to Australia, um, they're going to yeah. bring their own Scottishness to things. Yeah, but definitely. Get ahead of the curve and. <laughs> yeah, may, maybe that's maybe yeah. that's in our uh, to do list. Yeah, so I, I um, see Neil nodding, so I think that's a yes. Good to do list grows. Yeah. Um, so Neil, choice two, number two is um, Cooper's Red Sparkling Ale, which I don't know if anyone says that's come up before, but um, it's just such an iconic Australian beer, so good and so consistent. They're with just a really beautiful, full flavored uh, ale. Um, that I can just remember being around since I uh, very first started drinking. That was one that I was hesitant to include, but on reflection, being a big part of my uh, drinking history and introduction to beer, it was kind of the respectable choice too when uh, you, could, you could bring Carlton or VB to a barbecue, but Cooper's was like just was, was still, still acceptable. You could do that free from ridicule. But I still just really love that beer. A, um, yeah, a big beer and... Cooper's is just a great brewery where there's a lot of talk now about independence and what's craft and what's not. They're, they're just the most original, most independent uh, family-owned operation out there, which I've got a lot of respect for. And, yeah, great great beer. Yeah, they're actually a brewery who, uh, the si- it's considering they're still independent, their size and the mm. scale and what they produce at the price points at which they do it as well so is quite phenomenal. remarkable. Yeah. I sh- I sh- yeah, I should add too that it was uh, over some of, well, maybe even most of my bigger business decisions have been made over a Cooper's Red Long Neck. <laughs> certainly, <laughs> certainly back in the cafe days. So, yeah. Uh, uh, would you consider yourself a successful businessman? Because <laughs> <laughs> if so, not, not, uh, yet. not yet. <laughs> That's that not my tip for this. <laughs> <laughs> That's a life hack right there for any uh, budding entrepreneurs. If in, if in doubt. <laughs> It was always the joke where if you can have, oh, we'll just have one beer over lunch if you make it a Cooper's Red Long Neck. That's um, <laughs> taking care of the afternoon, basically. And are you, uh, are you a man who agitates the, the yeast at the I, bottom? I do, yeah. I do. Bring out all that, uh, <laughs> all that ferment goodness. 
Yeah, and uh, so can you actually, can you remember the first time you had it? Or is it kind of, is it blurred? <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I absolutely can. My, my, <coughs> uh, my, my brother, who's, who's seven years older than me, so it was well before I could drive, I'm sure. At, at, um, <coughs> he was at some dodgy share house in, uh, in Richmond, just around the corner here. And he'd, uh, yeah, turn up and watch the Grand Prix and drink Cooper's Reds with him and his housemates. So, yeah, that was an early, early beer for me. Yeah, so that's, that's, it's a lot of pressure having a brother seven years older than you. I think, <laughs> I, think I was into it, yeah. yeah. yeah I don't think I needed that much convincing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, we'll go Michael, choice three. So choice three. Um, this is one that you won't find in Australia. I hope you don't think it's pretentious, but it's, it was another one that... Uh, is really stuck in my mind. Sounds a bit pretentious. It does, doesn't it? <laughs> it's a craft beer podcast. <laughs> yeah, I know, but, but it's like six beers. Oh, yeah, that's true too. But yeah, anyway, so it's it's from Lische Brauerei in Lisch in Hessen, Germany. And um, it's just their Pilsner. So when I was, uh, when my wife and I were just in Germany for the first time, uh, well, oh, well, when we were traveling together for the first time in 2010, I believe it was, um, my auntie took us to the brewery and uh, they had a, some, a brewery tour went around with us and maybe eight other people and uh, it was just fantastic and to see how the Germans work with their beer and, and how how uh, efficient and and seriously they take their beer and their beer process and brewing process and everything like that and um, and yeah we'll just at the end of the tour you can have as many beers as you want and most of the people still had to drive and stuff like that. So the other eight people, you know, just had a beer and, and left. But then, because my aunt was driving, me and Chloe, we just hit the beers pretty hard. And then there's free bretzels as well. And then the waitress, uh, my aunt always says there's something called the Australia bonus because you're an Australian in a town that barely ever gets Australians. Then they're just really happy to meet you and talk about down under and whatnot. So then we got like fear, free uh beer glasses and stuff like that we just left with like so many memories but then also so many like <laughs> like shit <laughs> we got a lot of stuff and uh so yeah so while while, while i was there drinking that pilsner was just perfect beautiful just like a nice very light slight malt sweetness but then the hops really does come through at the end um i was thinking all right well if i'm gonna learn beer brewing then I want to move to Germany and actually learn it properly. And it was just at that moment when I was visiting that brewery, having that beer, I was just like, all right, I think I'm moving to Germany. <laughs> and and you did? Yeah, yeah, I yeah. did. And it was uh, two years later. Um, I then did move to Germany in 2012 and stayed there till about four months ago. So I was there for a total of six years. So, uh, yeah, and while there, um, studied, did the Brewers and Maltzers Apprenticeship, um, which is normally takes you three years. You go to boarding school and work in a brewery while you're there and everything like that. Um, I don't want to compare it to Hogwarts, but uh, it's kind of like Hogwarts. <laughs> German Hogwarts. Yeah. For beer. Yeah. So Sounds magical, maybe. <laughs> um, nah, but uh, while, while, yeah, while there, um, I was able to complete the apprenticeship in two years, which was fantastic because then I could get into the profession or into the brewing world even quicker um and and yeah and it, it just was kicked off by this one brewery, this one brewery where i was just like all right time for germany so, <laughs> so what is it that the germans do differently or better 
um, uh, you can kind of come back to Australia after serving your uh, apprenticeship in Germany and bring here? Yeah, well, I would definitely say something that they really do amazingly is they really take care of every step of the way. The fermentation, which every brewer needs to do anyway, is just perfectly... Uh, trying to think of the word now. Perfectly... Um, Jesus Christ, I can't think of the word. Done. <laughs> it's, just, <laughs> it's just done. Uh, controlled and everything like that. But something as well is that they they either do a decoction mash or a step mash. Whereas here in um, in Australia, you normally see most breweries are doing a single infusion mash. Um, but in Germany, they really want to make sure that they can get the body of the beer as perfect as, as possible. Um, so, which is actually something that we will be able to do here in our brew house here. We'll be able to do decoction and step mashing, which is fantastic because it's what I love doing. And... Um, and Jen, another thing is just um, that's true. Get into those styles that are a bit overlooked, I reckon, in the modern craft scene. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. It's when you go through the style guide, and we're doing a few people going through Cicerone at the moment here, and we're tasting through all the styles. Such a big bulk of the of the uh, of the defined beer styles are those, those uh, classic European, you know, old world styles that sort of. Yeah, a, a big focus of the local craft movement is on, you know, big hoppies and maybe sours and wacky beers and fruited beers and stuff now. But, yeah, it's a big chunk of beautiful beer that's getting overlooked, I think. So, yeah, we're, we're psyched about getting getting, getting a bunch of those, of those on tap. And yeah, definitely. A, yeah, and there's a lot to be said in terms of um, beers like, like a, the German Pilsner style. Is If you don't nail it, there's no hide in place. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, so you, it's almost a measure if you can nail a great pilsner yep. as a brewer. Yeah. Then that speaks a lot for what else you're doing. Yeah, no, hundred percent right. Because um, like a Hellas or, or a pilsner or, or a beer, um, you just can't hide your faults. If you if you mess something up, everyone's going to go, "Ooh, hang on, this guy didn't nail that one. That's uh, that's unfortunate." <laughs> so uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, Neil. Tell us your third beer. <laughs> Number three is uh, James Squire Amber Ale. So I'm, I'm not I'm not sure that I'm the biggest fan of the Squires range these days, but um, this is back a few years. I'd say 2004, and I was working um, full time as an accountant in town at the time, and trying to trying to skip out on the odd afternoon of work. And the Portland was just around the corner where the where their little um, system is is in. And um, I just remember drinking, like, you start off with their, their pale lager and then they had their golden ale and then, you know, sort of stepped into the amber. And um, I was just really blown away by that beer. Big, full malt flavour, just so much more gone into it than the beers I was used to drinking. And uh, definitely, I reckon, my first uh, kind of step into into craft beer, I guess, or, or stepping away from mass market lagers. Um, yeah, and then look, looking back on their range of beers now, I think it was actually quite, quite, quite nice. That English focus for their IPA and porter, and everything they had on tap, really, um, yeah, really nice range, and good pub. And I was very pleased not to be uh, at work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it kind of tastes better at the end of the day at work. Uh, certainly, yeah, yeah. And that's the Portland in Russell Street, yeah. Is it? And they kind of they've got a bit of their brewery on display in there. Yeah, it's gone. I don't know what their deal is these days. They've gone through a few different iterations where they were using the brew house more and less over the years. But at the time, they'd have the brewers in there brewing and were making a big fuss about it being a 
local brew pub. Yeah, I think uh, previous guest Dan Dainton of Dainton oh, Brewery. Of course, of course, of course, of course. Yeah, he worked there for a number of years, and um, yeah, it's kind of quite an interesting. You know, that obviously they could get things to market quite easily, and um, like uh, a and pub like that. And there wasn't too much else going on. You just wouldn't see an amber ale pouring anywhere else. I don't think. No, particularly in the city, it kind of, it, it yeah. Even in recent times, it's been a bit tricky in the city to kind of get. Um, that's true. Yeah. Nicer beers, um, but yeah, no, that's a that's a good choice, and uh, I'm sure James James Squire. I think that's the first James Squire beer on the podcast. Is it? Yeah. Oh. So um, I can't remember one before. That, I, can't, I can't remember the last time I ordered one. But um, in terms <laughs> of turning points or you know pivotal yeah. beers, I think is well, yeah. No, I'm actually. I sur- couldn't not mention it. Yeah, I'm surprised it uh, it hasn't turned up more because of its availability and, and as you say, all those reasons in terms of the different points of difference, you know, um, the color, the taste, the flavor, and so on. Full, full body malt forward beers are still not that popular. <laughs> no, no, you, you are talking to an Englishman. So, uh, <laughs> no reflection on you. Yeah, yeah, in my house. Though. <laughs> um, okay, so we've been through your first three choices, and um, uh, what I'm interested in is how much where you grew up and your family's experience and stuff has kind of shaped some of the beers that you chose or your outlook now in terms of um, the beer scene and so on? Yeah, uh, that's a good question. Um, I say it a lot, actually. I was influenced very much by what I drank younger by my parents because my parents, coming from a German heritage, um, Dad would always try and get his hands on a couple of Pilsner Urquell. I know it's from Czech Republic, but that's always his favourite Pilsner, Pilsner Urquell. Um, and just sort of European lagers and stuff like that, which then obviously influenced me to drink those stars as well because well obviously yet again they're just in the fridge so I'm gonna gonna try them but then uh, then try and also replicate them uh, in my hobby brewing um, so the very first beer I actually attempted to brew was a uh, was a Pilsner and uh, went really well and it was actually yeah fantastic um, beer and uh, and yeah it just continued on from there my, my surroundings when when I, uh, my sister then moved to New York a couple of years later and lived in New York for about three to four years. When I went to visit her, that's when I really started to see the good craft beer scene in America and then seeing all the big flavors and really hoppy beers that they had on the, uh, in New York. And then I went up the uh, West Coast a bit as well. I was just like, damn, these are, these are what I need to start attempting to brew and stuff like that. So it's just, I don't know when new beers and new new styles come my way or just even something that I find interesting I was like alright let's try and let's try and replicate well not replicate it but let's try and uh, go in that direction I guess and how about yourself Neil in terms of where did you grow up and how did that kind of influence your outlook or the availability of uh, good beers um, well, I just grew up in Mount Waverley just in Melbourne's eastern suburbs and uh, I, look, my, my, my family weren't big big drinkers at all I think just I was always more partial to beer than your average person, I think. But, um, yeah, that would have been mostly Carlton and VB for, for years. So only with a bit of travel and, uh, I don't know, just, just got more and more more serious as we went. You know, the more, the more beers you try, the more interesting it gets and the more you know, the more you appreciate. And, uh, yeah, just a lot of, lot of little steps towards um, wanting a brewery of my own and then, um, yeah, getting, getting there now. So in terms of, because uh, Michael, you mentioned before that you, you know, age 15, you're like, yeah, <laughs> basically 
you're going to be a head brewer one day. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so pretty much. On, <laughs> on your skateboard. <laughs> so. Exactly. So, yeah, uh, 15, I kept the skateboard, but I <laughs> developed the job at least. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Neil, you, uh, you know, took the very noble profession of uh, accounting. <laughs> um, so at what point did you kind of go, oh, I do actually want a brewery or... This could be reality. Is uh, with, look, I, I talked about it on and off with with friends and you know a few different potential business partners and stuff over the years, but just it, it ties into number four. We well, let's do it. Go for your number four then. We're, we're on a trip um, to the US a couple of years ago, and um, one of the yeah. So number four beer is Consecration by from Russian River, uh, but we were. Yeah, Russian River is obviously one of those big hyped breweries. Like we'd, we'd checked out a lot of breweries on this trip. It was four of us uh, in a massive Winnebago on a two and a bit week trip. And I think we ticked off fifty plus breweries through uh, right through California. And uh, Russian River, I was sort of reserving judgment on because they're so hyped and everyone's such big fans of them. But um, yeah, when we got there, we did just have one of the greatest beer nights of my my life. The, we started with the hoppy beers and had some Pliny and Blind Pig and I forget what else. But um, when we got up to going through the, the sours, we just had this... We, the, the service was phenomenal and um, the bartenders poured us a um, consecration, which is it's a big beer. It's like 10% uh, Cabernet barrel-aged uh, mixed culture ferment with currants, I think. I just remember being absolutely blown away. And, um, yeah, me and Phil were sitting at the bar and we'd obviously had a few. And I'm sure we're not the only people to sit at a bar after a few beers and declare that we should definitely have a <laughs> pub or brew pub. But uh, that was definitely uh, the point where we uh, stepped up the, you know, seriously getting about it. Mm. Yeah, excellent. That's it. That's almost like a really nice epiphany kind of moment. Ro- quite romantic, you and Phil in the Winnebago. <laughs> <laughs> there was a terrible Winnebago. It was anything but romantic. Never, never again. And, and I'll also add, as far as Winnebago holidays go, <laughs> who, who was doing the driving? Uh, I was. Uh, me, and my, me and my brother, and there were some pretty rough mornings. <laughs> Good wide roads. Oh, yeah, it was a disaster picking up this stupid thing. It was a massive, massive van, and we picked it up in like downtown LA in peak hour traffic. <laughs> driving on the wrong side of the road for the first time after a long flight it was just uh, it's terrible <laughs> and that yeah that wasn't even the worst of it no but good trip and uh, I think we should we should delve into this a bit more yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's, a few, there's a few more stories there no but yeah such an iconic brewery and that they've done such a nice job of their local following and commitment to the brew pub model even though obviously much bigger now and um, distributed far and wide quite a, quite a big brewery but um yeah, that, that brew pub being their real home and having such great staff and such a great hospitality experience to complement these phenomenal beers, mm, super inspiring. Yeah, and, and you, look, as you stand now, Burnley Brewing's very localised. It's, uh, you know, a brew pub where families can come, have a meal, try some beers. Do you have aspiration, ambition to kind of, you know, one day be distributed across... Australia or I don't think across Australia I think we'd like to keep it a bit more local is the, the initial plan was just to stick with the brew pub alone but there's been kind of 
really pleasing interest from a whole bunch of people we know through hospitality circles and uh, people who just come in asking if they can get the beer for their bar. So, yeah, we are going to start sending out kegs and, and cans in the coming months. We'll have our Vienna Lager and um, Pale Ale out, out on, uh, in distribution in the, in the next few months. But um, in terms of national, I'd, I doubt it. Mel- Melbourne, in, inner city Melbourne to start with, I think would be a more, more than enough for us. Yeah, and then, you know, maybe one day in the future you can fall back into Winnebago, <laughs> crossing state lines. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. He'd, he'd need a fair bit of convincing. Yeah. <laughs> There's a bit of, bit of shell shock from that trip. <laughs> <laughs> still. Yeah. Still, moments, still flashbacks. Yeah. Um, so, Michael, uh, before you talk about your fourth beer, um, tell us a little bit about the core range uh, um, Burnley here. Um, you very kindly poured me a Pilsner here. What, um, which is as we discussed before, was a you know is a benchmark beer. Tell us about the beers in the range that you have, and um, were they all your choice? Um, well, the now mostly they're a, a joint choice between uh, Neil and myself. Um, so the pale ale is uh, pale ale and IPA is uh, is Neil's uh, Neil recipes. Um, these are ones that I think you worked on for a while before I even came back to Australia. Um, and um, and they, I remember I, I came here and I think it was my first or second week being back in Australia and you invited me to come down to uh, Aries Inlet to uh, brew them and just, you know, see what they're like and uh, and I had a taste of the pale ale that was done earlier. I was like, well, this is, this is sick. Like, this is a good beer. Re- respectable for a home brewer? Yeah. <laughs> You said it, I didn't. <laughs> um, no, no, it was, I was like, man, this is this is fantastic. And so then we chucked out a couple more, um, couple more batches, and then we looked for even more space around around um, Melbourne. But then we're sitting here behind the bar trying the first batch of pale ale, and me, Neil, and Phil, we sat down and we just started listing beer types that we'd like to have. And our first goal, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, Neil, but uh, our first goal was to show people that we can actually brew beers to the styles that they're meant to be so like we had a vienna lager which is a beer you don't really see much of and uh it's it's a very tricky balancing act with the vienna lager of having the the toasty caramel malts balancing out with the uh, with the elegant noble hops um and we wanted to make sure that we get that beer right have it on tap so that people can see that we can actually brew the elegant beers and stuff like that same with this pilsner right here this is a very traditional German Pilster miners that we've replaced some of the hops with Helga, which has also been discontinued, however. Um, so, yeah, so that, that was our first goal, just to show people that we can brew beers to how they're meant to be brewed. Another one was the ESB that we did, Extra Special Bitter. Um, we gave it a nice, nice bitter yeasty profile, um, as that's how we interpreted the, uh, the beer. But as soon as, so in the next month or so, we're going to start going also into the uh, more experimental, crazy uh, direction. Because we now have, hopefully, uh, this is how I feel, is we've, we've proved that we can brew Pale Ale, IPA, the Pilsners, the, the, the Lagers, the, uh, the Sazon that we also have on tap at the moment now. It's just very farmhouse, just, just in my mind, just hits, 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 the, hits, hits the nail on the head. Yeah, and when actually when we first met at the beer fest at St Kilda, yep. 
It was the dry stout that I had, which was absolutely nail on to style. It was fantastic. Yeah, and no, I think the percentage wise is like four and a half percent, but just a really good example of a a, a stout. Yeah, and that, that's the thing because the dry stout. That was another thing that we actually spoke about. Is that um, Neil and myself? Uh, I mean, is that so many people are going with stouts? They brew stouts big, you know, six to whatever percent, and and they make them really full-bodied which is which is fantastic and they're fantastic stouts but neil and i we wanted to brew a, ses- a sessionable stout so something that you could yeah literally sit on for for a while and have a couple of those beers so we dropped the uh drop the alcohol down to 4.2 um it's really really dry has a nice roasted uh aroma a bit of like molasses in the uh, uh molasses in the aroma as well roasted taste coffee and uh and yeah, that was just something that we, you just don't find out there that much either. So we wanted to make sure that we got it right and everything like that. Um, yeah, but no, but I haven't said that now. Now that we've uh, done this and we're, we've done these, we're going to keep these ones on as, as uh, what's it called, like our flagship beers, like our core range. Maybe give them subtle subtle changes. So instead of doing a Pilsner, maybe do a, a Hellas or a Keller beer or something like that. Just slightly change it up just to keep it... Uh, uh, you know, uh, interesting, um, and uh, but now we're also going to go down the really fucked up creative direction. <laughs> <laughs> I guess <laughs> there's no other way to say it, really. <laughs> no, well that that's exciting, but I I actually think there's a lot in uh, that approach and that build up. Actually, nailing more common styles, doing them really well, making a really good example to set. You know. Also for yourself as brewers to kind of, you know, consolidate to, you know, know that your equipment is nail on as well. Yeah, definitely. Before you start going into those more experimental things. Definitely. Because, you know, doing it the other way, it can get varied results, I presume. Yeah, <laughs> so definitely. Definitely right. And also building a customer base that can trust that they can come in, particularly people who come in into the bar who might not know a huge amount about beer. Yep. They need to get something that they are fam- fairly familiar with and that they can trust and that they can always kind of hang their hat on. And it seems like, you know, you've got kind of eight beers there, which they can. Yeah, all those nice beers like Vienna Lager where there's there's a lot to appreciate if you know a bit about beer. But if you don't, it's not – it's going to taste like a familiar, nice, clean lager to people who might not be more here to watch the footy than to – to knob on about beer, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, not that we're doing that right now, but uh, <laughs> we can, uh, <laughs> welcome to the chosen brew. Uh, <laughs> um, so, is that the kind of the beers that you put people who come in here who are not, uh, you know, ask for a Carlton or VB? Are you kind of is that still happening? <laughs> well, no, not so much. Yeah, to be honest, yeah. I'm really surprised at the average. Like the, the level of beer knowledge of your average punter these days, people want the detail. I sort of thought we might need some, or you know, the classic uh, beer bar question to ask is, "What do you normally drink?" and take it from there. We're trying to steer clear of that because people already know what they're after. They want to know what hops are in the IPA, or you know, they're asking really detailed questions. People don't need as much guidance as you think. I'm really, really impressed. Maybe that's just our part of the world, but it's really nice to have people in who are interested to. They've already got a pretty good understanding of what the style's about and know what they like and what they don't. Yeah, I was actually at a beer festival once and a Scottish guy was in the queue in front of me and the, the guy behind the uh, the bar was 
you know, quite innocently asking that question. What do you normally drink? And he yeah. said, paint stripper. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> he's like, oh, I will maybe leave that one at home. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah next. Um, yeah. Yeah, so, um, yeah, so choice four, Michael. Um, yeah, so choice four for me was, uh, so there was a time between going over to Europe with my wife, Chloe, and going to the Lische Brauerei and having that Pilsner. And so there was two years where I was still in Australia and I knew I'd, I wanted to be a brewer, but all my school friends had gone to uni and stuff like that, and I couldn't really study brewing here. So I was like, oh, do, I, do I need to go to uni as well? Is that, is that what I need to do as well? So I, I got into uni, got, went to Swinburne, did communication design there, which is pretty much just graphic design. And I was terrible. I was a terrible student. I was just not good. <laughs> so... Um, <laughs> But the best thing about going to uni was the pub just around the corner, which was the Lucky Cock. And uh, so I'd have a, have a shoot or, or, or a lecture or something like that. And I'd be like, all right, when's this lecture done? Oh, five minutes. Yep, five minutes. Two minutes to get to the pub. So seven minutes and I have my beer. That's good. And um, I can see why you were <laughs> terrible here. Yeah, right. <laughs> and yeah, I'm, I'm not painting a good picture of my, uh, <laughs> of my uh, self here but whatever um so yeah we'll get to the pub and one of my favorite ones on tap there was the um little creatures bright owl because little creatures was uh getting bigger and bigger at that point there and their taps they had six or eight taps there and they had a, a nice range of creative beers there and but the one that just really was like a perfect knockoff beer was just an easy drinking bright owl from little creatures and I just remember, and also with the $4 pizza that you'll get from the Lucky Cock as well. So it was, I don't know, like 8 bucks all up or whatever, maybe 10 bucks. And I was just like, you know, for a, for a uni student, you're just like, mate, this is fantastic. Because <laughs> <laughs> I remember having Bright Ale not long after it came out. And yep. it, w- it, was, it was sensational. Yeah, um, right. But then they had like this, it was, I don't know how long it was on the market, but it could have only been maybe two years or something. And then they had, did this rebrand and it was like, oh, we, we've changed the, re- we've improved the recipe. Oh, no, and I was kind of thinking like, no, no, don't change the recipe. Like they're, it's they're really still, nice. Jesus, but they're no still way. all swear blind that they haven't tweaked the recipe. And I'm, I'm just not, I'm not buying it. Yeah. Like it used to have such a beautiful hop aroma when you'd crack a bottle and pour that into a glass because we used to stock it at bars and cafes we had. It's just not the same now. See, I, 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 I know my palate might have achieved, maybe I'm a bit more accustomed to hoppy hoppiness, yeah. but I, I'm not buying it. It's definitely been dumbed down. Yeah, so I actually think that they were, maybe they they put it down as a mistake, but they actually did say they changed, They were open about changing the recipe no uh, when they did the rebrand, which is quite rare. Yeah, uh, okay. It's quite unusual, isn't it, for a brewery to say, yeah, we changed the recipe. Uh, maybe they they may have changed it, you know. And breweries do do that um, without letting the consumer know. Um, but yeah, it was definitely, uh, you know, obviously maybe economies of scale, maybe availability of hops and raw ingredients and yeah. so on. Um, but it does always seem a shame when a beer which is really great, yeah, does kind of cha- change. Yeah, definitely. Cool Co- corp- corporate efficiency. Yeah, corporate efficiency. Yeah. <laughs> I so, two lovely words yeah. uh, <laughs> said by a former accountant. <laughs> <laughs> so I, just, I, I, um, I just remember, uh, yeah, because I haven't had it since since my uni days, and uh, 
and now that you guys mentioned this, I don't think I will have it, so I don't want to taint my memories, <laughs> you know, and uh, <laughs> very nostalgic here. <laughs> yeah, well, it, it <laughs> and, is uh, one of those that you can actually be nostalgic for a beer and kind of never go back and be happy, but yeah. like with Tui's Old, yeah, I was yeah. so pleasantly surprised when I tried that. It was a really nice beer, um, but I, I don't think I feel the same about Little Creatures Brides. Right but right, well, there we go. That's but uh, we'll, we'll see. Um, keep keep my uh, but keep my memories. Well, you don't see it on how tap. it is. Yeah, you don't <laughs> see it on tap that much anyway. Now I don't think it's not on. A no, I think you're right. Actually, yeah. I've only seen the bottles in, in like Dan Murphy's every now and then. But uh, even then, I'm just like, yeah, I want to try try this one over here instead. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So Neil, choice five. Number five is uh, Crankshaft IPA from um, Ben Spoke, which I think is just an excellent IPA. I couldn't have been happier that it's now, you can get it in cans um, locally. But I reckon, the, I know this is about to turn into a bit of a theme, but um, brew pub wise, it's just one of the best going around. And uh, it would have been uh, the homebrew conference maybe four years ago, it was in Canberra, I think, at the, the uni. And um, Ben Spoke's just around the corner. And just uh, sitting there drinking a pint of crankshaft uh, in their lovely venue, just the greatest thing ever. Even just saying that sentence, drinking a pint of crankshaft, (laughs) it it, it just (laughs) rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? (laughs) So what's the setup there in because Canberra was uh, had the pen and wig, I think was like the kind of flagship. So Richard, uh, who's the brewer brewer there previously, is um, heads up Ben Spoke. But it was kind no. of a, a wasteland apart from that, was it? And I think so. I mean, that's certainly yeah. pretty early on in there. I know WA has its fair share of brew pubs, but I think they would have been leading the charge in a... I mean, like, genuine brew pub, as in hospitality first with the brewery there, rather than, uh, um, you know, wet warehouse setting with a hospitality presence. They're very much a, you know, commercial, uh, consumer-facing sort of, you know, full menu mm-hmm. venue before too many other people were doing it. But yeah, I think it's just a great beer. All those big American hops. Nice malt balance. I think it's just less than 6% or something. But yeah, really really nice IPA in itself to drink. And that, that venue and the way they uh, present it there is um, exceptional. In terms of as well, uh, they're a good example of uh, a brand uh, or brewery who have branded very consistently and very well since they've uh, you know started off. Um, how do you reflect on the way that you've started at Burnley? Because your branding seems very strong in terms of you've got merchandise available, you know, your presence at beer festivals, you're very noticeable and very distinctive. How do you, how did you go about that? Oh, well, I guess because we're a venue, we're trying to, you know, if we're doing any promo outside the venue, we're trying to steer people back here. Basically, this is the only place you can really get the beer for now. So want to make sure, oh, I hope people recognise and can... You know, Google us later or stick, sticks in people's minds. The, 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 the merch and stuff has been more popular than I would have thought. People are loving it. We're selling tons of T-shirts and hats and stuff. I wasn't sure if anyone would um, would care, but it's really nice that people are stoked to be a part of it. I think that's probably one of the advantages of actually naming your brewery after the locale that you're in as well. It's like people are actually proud to kind of say, oh, I'm, I live near this and... Um, you know, the quite parochial and the pride of it. Yeah, also I was sort of saying before with a local local first or I, I, I love having the beer out in other pubs 
but um, it's nice if I can know the publican and deliver it personally. You know, the point at which we'd need to, you know, fight off interstate logistics and a sales team somewhere who I don't really have that much contact with. I'm not sure if that would be quite the same as, um, you know, dropping off a, a couple of cakes to a mate's pub just, just somewhere around Richmond or Hawthorne kind of thing. Yeah, there's something really nice about being able to buy a beer that's been brewed there. You can either see it being brewed or, you know, in the same... And that's happening more and more frequently, obviously, in Melbourne. Um, you know, and credit to you guys as well for getting up in this, uh, you know, quite a high-profile um, street frontage as well. Um, it can only help the larger beer scene as well. So, um, so Michael, choice five. Yeah, so my fifth choice is... Uh Hargraves ESB. Yeah, so um, I'm originally from Warrandyte, and it's where my parents still live these days as well. And uh, yeah, just, you know, quick drive out to the Yarra Valley is where Hargraves is. And uh, I remember, again, my parents are real wine nerds, and they would love going out to the Yarra Valley, going to the cellar doors and stuff like that, trying, trying wines and, and whatever. But we'd always drop off at a couple of uh, breweries as well. So we'd head out to Buckley's or... or uh, sorry. Help me out here. Out that way. Hillsville. <laughs> um, White Rabbit. Thank you. <laughs> White Rabbit. <laughs> White Rabbit. And um, and what was the other one? And then and then uh, Hargraves as well. In Yarrow Glen. And um, I remember just being there, having one of the... Tasting paddles, and somewhere in the middle was the ESB, and it was just on point. It was just fantastic. It was just, I don't know, a beer that that which with each each sip you would you would you would find something new. You would you'd you'd be taken through a journey with this beer, pretty much. And um, and I just loved it so much. So when I was in Germany as well, whenever my my dad or my mum or, or or someone would visit. They'll be like, oh, do you want me to bring something from Australia that, that you miss? You know, Vegemite or, or Tim Tams? I'm, no, no, no. Hargraves ESB. Bring one of those. And they're like, but that's a bit of a drive. I'm like, no, mate, you offered. Bring me that bottle. <laughs> 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 so, uh, so yeah. Um, yeah, that's definitely, definitely on my list, number five. And again, that's a style that isn't very popular. Yeah, which is actually the reason, one of the reasons why we uh, put it on here as, as one of our opening uh, um, beers. We actually brewed this with uh, Merrick from The Mill. Um, he, was, he was kind enough to lend us a tank and we brewed a beer there, which was the ESB. Do a very traditional uh, fermentation style. Um, close off the tank, let, the, let the, uh, the yeast build its aroma and really capture it in the tank. Um, and it, it, it just turned out really, really nice, actually. And it was it was a, it was a hit, actually. That beer we, yes. we we'd done smaller batches of the Maltford beers on the basis that I, I I made the call that I didn't think they'd be as popular, but um they, they flew. Yeah, yeah people we, loved to, them. to the point where we ran out. Got to brew more. So um yeah no nah, so that was uh, that was fantastic and ESB just always kind of uh, I don't know it has a special spot for me just because. I know it's just 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 a just a style that I always come back to. Um, I think I think everyone has that. Everyone has a, a style that they just love and can't not try if it's on a on a beer list or something like that. And that for me is ESB. It's always it, generally there tends to be so much weight on the hoppy beers. Yep. That 
those beers kind of just and because I think one of the factors is is that if you have a tasting paddle, the hoppy beers really jump out at you. And yeah. ESB mm-hmm. is all about a relationship. You actually have to stick with it. Yeah. And you kind of you know, it's only kind of on your second or third pints where you're like, Oh yes. <laughs> that could be for a few reasons. <laughs> but it's really exactly. something that you and I suppose the style kind of yeah is developed out of England where people, you know, do drink for a long time, not for a good time. Yep. So it it is the relationship building the 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 winter fireside beer which yep. you know, so it's part of the setting I suppose and as you know maybe in the Australian context, it, it, that it gets lost a little bit. The ESB and the I think you're 100 percent right because I think um, you just said fireside. That's and that's how I see it as well. It's, it's a beer that where I would be maybe on the couch, heaters on, it's raining or snowing outside, whatever, and I'll be sitting with this beer, either reading or watching Netflix or something like that. You know, yeah. <laughs> but where I'm just kind of like. No, I'm not moving. I'm having my beer. I'm in the warmth. It's cold outside. This is the perfect beer right now. We'll stick with your reading. It sounds more intellectual. It does. does, does. (laughs) What's Netflix? I don't even know. (laughs) So, um, we've been on a journey. We've done five beers each. You're on your sixth beer, Neil. Nelson IPA from from Alpine out of San Diego. So, that's a slightly obscure one in the Australian context, but... Drinking that beer, I reckon I, I can't. I can't think of a better IPA I've ever had, and it might have been because I was having an excellent day, and it was a really lovely experience all up. But um, yeah, just a great beer, big big IPA, bit of rye, and a really nice balance of uh, American hops and the Nelson Savon as well, um, Southern Hemisphere hops. Um, just this beautiful thing. We had. Um, we we're, we're passing through the town, and the, we knocked, we knocked on the door of the brewery. They've got a restaurant around the corner, but the brewers were kind enough to, to show us through while they were doing a brew. And um, we didn't want to pester them too much, so we sort of moved on. And as we were driving back out of town, they uh, slung the one of the one of the brewers ran out into the street and had a few long necks of the IPA straight off the bottling line, and um, passed them to us into the into the Winnebago and. Uh, yeah, just, just drinking those beers and driving along through the California countryside. Sounds like a f- music f- video. Phenomenal. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. the, the Chosen Brew does not endorse drinking beers oh, whilst driving. Drive. <laughs> <laughs> I was a passenger, passenger. <laughs> so, what? I mean, there's those moments where a beer really sings to you because of the day, because of the experience yeah, and so true on. That's true, and I wonder. Which, yeah, which kind of, kind of becomes a percentage of it, but... Um, what is it about, um, say, for example, there's a bit of a romance about particularly those Californian beers and breweries. What did you see there which was kind of, you know, is there anything you kind of are going to try and replicate here or you have already replicated? Or? Uh, we, we, I mean, we, we tried to with our, with our IPA. We've had a bit of good feedback from the odd Californian who stops by, which I was really pleased with. But... Um, uh, Australian IPAs are just a, just a little bit different. There's something super clean and dry about the finish of those American beers uh, from the from the West Coast. I'm not I'm not the biggest fan, to be honest. Might maybe be unpopular of the New England IPA craze. I prefer that clean, crisp, dry, bitter, you know, citrusy, piney, hop forward. Yeah, yeah firmly bittered but dry finish um, West Coast style. Um. 
I don't know. I think they've just been doing it doing it longer. I think I think our, our, the, the local beers are getting way better than they've ever been for sure. There's all sorts of awesome beers on the market now, but maybe that's only recent. I think they've just got a greater depth to the skill set of brewers over there and just a bit more maturity to the market maybe, maybe yeah maturity also they've had a bit more time i mean just, what they started mid early 80s and we've just really started kicking off and there's just more of them yeah yeah definitely yeah. and the, the californian economy can churn a bit quicker than ours yeah. <laughs> well i think california is the sixth biggest economy in the world if it was a country no way yeah. it'd be the sixth biggest <laughs> jesus christ all right so, so, so a bit of both i like to think it was a genuinely good beer and i'm a great uh, appreciator of all things IPA but it might have been a good day as well now if you were going back to California next oh. week and you just had one week which breweries would you go to uh, Alpine Modern Times uh, oh and then it gets a bit trickier a few a few of the ones up around San Francisco that we missed I think uh, Almanac and uh, 21st Amendment were two that we missed on that trip that I would love to check out yeah well, let's start planning for uh, for 2018. <laughs> I'm It'll really looking at you, Neil. We're doing this. <laughs> <laughs> In the Winnebago. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I'm not scared by that one. Yeah, no. Well, I'll, I'll come and drive. <laughs> <laughs> so, choice six, final me, choice. This one uh, is the Korpensenbrauerei Weizen. So this is the brewery where I worked at just before I came back to Australia. Australia, um, I was there for a good three to four years working there, and uh, their wheat beer, or Weizen, or Hefeweizen, was just on point. Um, I could if, to compare it to another German wheat beer it would be like Franziskaner, um, and I was just, just, I don't know, like it was just fantastic. I could. Uh, be at work doing a, uh, a, a brew house shift or, or work in the filtration or something like that and I would you know sneakily grab a beer and uh, just have my beer at my workstation I'm like mate this is just fantastic this is a good beer <laughs> uh, it's just when it sticks in my mind it's just I'm lost for words let's say that I'm lost for words how good that beer was it's great for a podcast <laughs> yeah, exactly right. I mean, where it's just, you know, my silence says it all. <laughs> well, actually, one thing I'm really interested in is that, you know, like all of the German beers I've had recently have traveled a long way. Yeah. What is the, is there a marked difference between a beer I might pick up here and actually trying it locally in Germany? Well, depending on the beer, uh, the beers that we're getting here is like Oettinger, Bitburger, and, and um, one of the other ones that I've seen, Warsteiner, I've seen, uh, those are the three ones that stick to my mind right now. But these are, I actually did my, um, it's fishing proof when it's called, it's it's like the half, like midterm test, practical test. I actually did it at the, um, the Bitburger Brewery, so I spent a weekend there doing my practical test there. And how they brew is just so consistent and so, yeah, efficient. But their, their filtration system is also really hard. So f- filtering at a really low temperature to make sure they get every bit out of it so that the the best before date can actually go for not just 12 months, even 18 months or so. Wow. So uh, their pilsners can stay fresh for very, very long. Um, and again, these, these best before dates are just, you know, suggested. I mean, you could 
unwittingly push it out to 24 months. Um, however, if it's a wheat beer, a wheat beer needs to, in my opinion, needs to stay quite fresh, you know, within the three to three to six months sort of range. So if that's going overseas, um, me personally, uh, I, I think it would, would, would change a little bit, maybe. Um, but from really ridiculously fresh from the fermenter or tank or, 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 or from the tap or something like that in Germany and having it here, to be honest, I actually haven't tried a wheat beer here yet. yet. Um, so, but I can definitely see uh, a slight difference in, in taste. Now, I also need you to choose an ultimate beer snack to go with your six beers. Yep, snack. And a receptacle to drink the beers out of as well. Is, I thought that one was a trick question. <laughs> <laughs> you don't often hear the word receptacle. That's what it is. That's why it sounds like a tr- trick question. Actually, I was trying to, um, because Neil was just like, hang on, what are, what are the questions again? He sent me a text and I was like, yeah, uh, from the, you know, what's your favorite drinking receptacle? And I was trying to write it. I'm like, how the fuck do you spell <laughs> yeah, this? <laughs> like, it's, a, I, don't know, I just did not know how to spell. I'm like, uh, drinking vessel. That sounds better. And I sent that to Neil and instead. But anyway. On the note, how the hell do you spell receptacle? I just don't even know. Yeah, I'm not sure too. Yeah, either, okay, good. Because um, autocorrect wasn't helping me out no, either. No. <laughs> I was like, I'll get close enough. Autocorrect <laughs> will help me out. And I was just like, what are you trying to write? I'm like, I don't know. Vessel, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so uh, well, be a snack. I'll be a snack. Snack. Um, ribs. Ribs. Can't go past a good slow-cooked rib. Pork ribs. And, yeah. and uh, any type of coating on these, or uh, your classic American barbecue, you know, the the are a phenomenon. The big big IPA and some sticky ribs. That's where it's at. And do you do that on the menu? It's a sometimes. Here? It's a sometimes food. Yeah, we have got some uh, lamb ribs on the menu at the moment, and uh, yeah, the odd rib special coming through. I, I, I can't be the guy who's just hassling everyone about ribs all the time, so I try and play it cool. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Michael, how about your snack? Yeah, for me, it's. Uh, I went back to my night shifts in Germany, and uh, my my colleagues always made fun of me because in Germany, you know, smoking is pretty relaxed there. Everyone smokes and stuff like that, and and uh, that was their meal when they were at work. You know, have a couple of cigarettes. But me, I would have like a full buffet ready to go, and uh, and one of the things we had a nice microwave there. Nice microwave, it's just a microwave. I cannot microwave be nice. I don't know. <laughs> That's a whole other podcast there. But, um, so I had a microwave there. The six and, microwaves uh, that changed everything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Definitely the Sunbeam version six. Um, no, but uh, the I would have a, um, a nachos, nachos with uh, like a two to one ratio, so a shitload of cheese on it, and then I'll have sour cream and salsa. Now here's the trick: you have those in the fridge. You heat up, you heat up your nachos in the in the microwave, so the cheese is all melted all over it. But your salsa and sour cream is still really cold, and you dip it in that bad boy. That uh, that was my my night shift uh, treat, and I loved it. It was just fantastic. I have that with with probably the wheat beer, or or, or maybe a pills that just went through the filter or something like that. And uh, it's fantastic. I don't condone drinking at work either. Just not, not, I want that as well. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you work in the brew pub. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Neil, is is that on the menu here? It sounds like it should be. Well, we've got nachos here. Oh, some nachos. Yeah. yeah. But, see, I don't have guac on mine. Uh, I don't have guac on mine. Guacamole. This, we've got guacamole and also... Uh, what are those chilies called? 
The jalapenos. 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 Yeah. I'm terrible with spices. Oh like, yeah. I'm not good at it. <laughs> <laughs> so I say so no chili beers coming. Uh, well, see, that's that's the thing though. I love a challenge though, and I would love to do a good, somewhat not spicy but like tingly chili beer. I would love mm-hmm. to do that. Something that even I could stomach. Because when it comes to chili, like. If someone walks past the table with like Tabasco sauce, I'm like, oh god, I'm burning. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I would love to actually do a, a chili beer with I don't know something else to to smooth it out and and just have like a nice tingly sensation or warming sensation as to as to a uh, burning I'm gonna die sensation. Yeah, that yeah. sounds sensible. Yeah, <laughs> maybe good for winter as well. But um, yeah. So uh, Neil, uh, your receptacle that you're going to drink these six beers out of? The uh, well, if I had to pick one, then just like a, a good Belgian um, go- goblet, kind of rounded, enough room to get your nose in, pour the beer with a nice head. Mm. And they're kind of the glasses glassware you've got. That's what we've run here. with here, yeah. As a compromise, I'd love to be able to have style specific glassware for everything, but it is sort of not practical. Yeah. So this is our this is our compromise. Tell me about actually the running a venue when you get to that point of the down to the details of like ordering things like glassware and stuff. At what point in the kind of stage is cost and wish for style prohibitive? <laughs> How far do <laughs> yeah, you go? Yeah, it's definitely a trade off. I guess here where we, where we take a lot of care with the beer, we want to present it really nicely so that uh, any punter who walks through the door will hopefully have a couple of visual cues to, to know that we take our beer seriously. But then, I mean, we can still just be price competitive with a filthy pint of Carlton at the Pokies pub around the corner. So hopefully we can be doing uh, quality without pretension is the, is the, is the plan. Yeah, and also um, in terms of actually the practicalities of, of washing glassware, of the high turnover, you know, um, breakages and all that type of stuff, is that something you factor in as well? We, we try and... Try and get people to be careful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Try and do a little bit of RSA so people aren't getting too out of hand. And um, no, no, what? we don't have too many issues at all. I think you present something nicely in a nice place, then people are just a bit more respectful and, you know, pleased to be a part of it. Yeah, most definitely. So thank you, uh, for Neil, for that receptacle. Michael, what is your vessel that you're going <laughs> to <laughs> That I understand. <laughs> um, for me... Um, I'm going to bring us back to the the Corpens of Weizen that I was I was talking about. Um, my favourite drinking experience would be um, so so we'll brew. I need to go step to take a step back for a second, but we'll brew every two and a half hours. We'd knock out 400 to 450 hectolitres of beer, and that and eight of those brews would go into one uh, fermenter. So we'd end up with 3,600 hectolitres of beer in one fermenter which is 360,000 litres of beer. Um, and the best thing ever was sitting, standing under one of these fermenters. you just got this massive cone above you, and the, and, the, and the fermenter is literally like the size of a building pretty much. Um, and you stand under it, you open up a little tap, a little stream of beer comes out, you put your glass under it and fill it up and just drink straight from the tank. And what I'd love to do is go to the Corpens the Weizen, so the wheat beer, the Hefe, the Hefe Weizen, um, fill up a, a Weizen glass, so your Bavarian German Weizen glass, which has a nice curvy body, I guess, you know, heavy bottom, uh, yeah, heavy, heavy glass bottom with, with a nice thin tapered 
glass. I think I think we all know what, what I'm talking about. Mm. Um, Sounds like a dirty phone call. It does, so. doesn't it? Doesn't <laughs> it? I, I was going to say like a womanly <laughs> shape or something like that. I'm like, nah, that's just getting ridiculous. <laughs> but yeah, heavy bottom, and then it kind of uh, it, it kind of pinches in, and then has quite a bulbous yeah, uh, that's top, and the maybe. Um, I don't know about twenty, thirty centimeters yeah, they're, tall. They're they're a decent height, yeah. and, uh, and and the reason why they're so high is because the Weizen has a has a high carbonation, like six point two grams per liter of, of carbonation, which is uh, three point one volumes. If if everyone's talking with volumes, um, and uh, and you just have this nice head retention sitting on top of it, and it's comes straight from the fermenter. Like you can't get it fresher, and it's just. Amazing, <laughs> and that that would be my vessel. It would be, it would be a Weizen glass. So I'm going to ask you a difficult question here, which I didn't prep you for. But if you had to choose just one beer from your six beers, to to if you could only drink one beer again, what would it be? The top um, one. Okay, one beer that I could only drink. Okay, well two come to mind. It is it's the pills from Lichtbrauerei or the Weizen Korpenser. Okay, so it's it's a lager or, or a wheat beer. What am I thinking of? Okay, I have to flip a coin. Nah, I'm going to go with the wheat beer. I'm going with the wheat beer. The yeah, for for me, it'd be that that IPA from Alpine. But I understand in the last couple of years they've been taken over or merged with Green Flash. So I wonder how they're how they're going or where that beer's coming out of. Yeah, I'd love to try that again. So tell us uh, what's happening in the next uh, you know the rest of the year for Burnley. Yeah, big big. Big yeah. year. We'll just be focused here on the on the pub events for uh, Melbourne Food and Wine um, coming up, and uh, also Good Beer Week. So yeah, there'll be a lot on, and just getting getting all the beers cranking here, and the rest of the kit installed. It should be a pretty big few months. Yeah, we've actually been um, also experimenting with uh, with a recipe for the Gabs as well. We're doing a, a festival beer for them as well. Um, we've just been you know finalizing recipes and stuff like that and we'll get that going within the next couple of weeks so it's, it's, it's there in time and everything like that um, but that's been a, a big part of our uh, hours at the moment making sure that we get that on point um, but I'll, I'll have to say that the biggest thing for us this year if, if, if I dare say Neil is uh, as soon as this brew pub behind us is, is uh, up and going is every two weeks we're just going to have a new beer on tap all the time because on this brew house we can do Five hectoliters or ten kegs, or you know, eight to ke- ten kegs, depending on whatever. Um, we'll just love to have uh, fourteen taps with at least I don't know eight of them, nice, good flagship beers that everyone can rely on that they're going to be here. Um, but then have the other beers that are just always rotating. So whenever someone walks past or, or is, is a regular, they know that they've got a few different beers each time they come here. Yeah, I'm, I'm super excited about getting some some beers on oak for Sours program oh, and yeah, then also some big fun. Belgians so we can have you know, little little tastings on theme where you know one week there'll be some a few Belgians and then their barrel aged equivalents or uh, a bunch of Sours we can bring out three in one week or you know a few different IPAs so that who can do little little comparative tastings mm-hmm. that's what I'm really excited about yeah, actually something that we really want to get onto is get well, me at least. I'm not sure if I've discussed it with you, Neil. I think I have. Uh, but uh, I want to get a, uh, a land <laughs> gap. You can do it in the safety of this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> um, exactly. No one else is going to know. <laughs> uh, no, but I want to actually really get my uh, get a lambic going. Uh, so, you know, using sail hops, lambic, real traditional lambic style. 
um, and just have it age for the next couple of years. So just get that on as soon as possible so that I can just sit in the corner, aging, 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 and then in three years' time, blend it with something fresh. So that's something I really want to get onto as soon as possible because three years is a long time to wait. <laughs> <laughs> so, if uh, Neil, if anyone's running a cafe out there and they think, oh, I'll just open a brew pub, what advice would you give them? Ooh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's a no-brainer. Brew pub is a great place to be. Well, listen, I've had a heap of fun here today and uh, just a stone's throw from the city. The beer list is, is great and anyone who comes in, hospitality is great. So uh, thanks so much as well for doing making the time for the be on the Chosen Brew and talking us through your six beers that changed everything. Thanks for having us. Uh, yeah, yeah, thanks been so much for really, having us along. Really good journey. So that was it, Burnley Brewing. Such an exciting time for them. I was really glad to kind of catch Neil and Michael at the stage that they're at at the moment where they're really kind of not at the top of the wave yet, but they're just getting that swell and really it's going to take off for them um, this year, particularly with the beers that they're going to be able to offer and also getting their own equipment in and getting really settled in that setup there on Bridge Road. Might also have to go back to interview Phil for his six beers. But the existence there of Burnley brewing in that pocket of really exciting craft beer goings on, but also got a real sense of brewing history in that neighbourhood. And uh, just down the road on Bridge Road there is the Utgang Bar, we're from Fraze and Grum, who are previous guests on the show from Exit Brewing. And then there's the Royston, there's the Mountain Go Brewery. Really nice little pub crawl that you can do there and maybe even um, have a stroll down by the Arrow and plenty of great spots for lunch as well. So if you're heading to the Good Beer Week Gala Showcase, I'll be there on the Thursday night. So make sure you say hello and hold tight for the next episode coming to you on the 13th of April. I'll speak to you then.